0: Welcome to Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals, hosted by certified financial planners Justin Brownlee and Jared Machin of Brownlee Wealth Management. The only podcast dedicated to those of you in the oil and gas profession to help you optimize investments, lower future taxes, and grow your wealth. Learn more and subscribe today at brownleewealthmanagement.com.
1: Hey, everyone. Excited to have you here for the first financial planning for oil and gas professionals podcast ever. Uh, my name is Jared Machen and I am one of the hosts and with me is Justin Brownlee who also co-hosts the podcast. Welcome.
0: Excited to be here, Jared.
1: Yeah. So Justin, we're just going to get right into it. So this first podcast is about how financial planning for oil and gas professionals is different than from other industries or career paths. And I'm super excited to talk about that today. But before we go down that tr- path, it may be helpful for our listeners if you give some context to lay the groundwork. How did you come to identify this need in the marketplace and and why did you decide to build a business around it?
0: When I first entered the industry, when I first became a financial planner, uh focusing on something so specific was was never on my radar and uh To be truthful, even when even when I started the firm, I was I was very apprehensive about going all in on on one industry and having a really specific niche. Uh, My background is uh, about a decade ago. I I started at an insurance company. And uh, if you're in the financial planning world, uh, you probably resonate with that because 10, 15, 20 years ago, the only way to get into the industry was to join a, a huge insurance company. And uh, you would go to maybe a three or four day training. And when I say training, they would just uh, tell you exactly uh, how to sell their products is really the idea there. And so there wasn't an opportunity to join a fee only firm There wasn't an opportunity to join a registered investment advisor. That movement was really small back then. Uh, And so the only way to get into the industry was to start selling insurance. Uh, And so that's what I did. And I I joined a large insurance firm. And I think the things that that stuck out the most from that was, was two things. It was a little bit scary how easy it is to become a financial advisor. It's something that we'll probably talk about and, and likely devote an entire episode to. But to be a financial advisor in America today, you need a high school diploma and you need to pass a uh, test called the Series 7 that, that takes about 60 minutes or so. And so if you want to be a financial advisor, if you want to have a business card that says I am a senior financial planner or whatever title you want to give yourself, that's all you have to do. Just go to high school and then pass that 60 minute test. Uh, And so that was a little bit alarming. The other thing that that shocked me was why would anyone listen to what I have to say? Uh, I was, I was new into the industry. I was young. I didn't have years of training behind me. I mean, obviously I had my college education that was somewhat related, but even, even degrees targeting and and degrees at at universities that, that get specific enough to focus on financial planning, wealth management, those are even new. And so 15 years ago, uh, when, when I'm in school, that, that wasn't even on the radar. It wasn't, wasn't even something that anyone I knew was studying. And so in, in my background, when I started in insurance, I was surprised at how easy it was to become a financial advisor. Uh, I was surprised that anyone would, would even listen to what I had to say. And so for those first several years, I would just spend a lot of time thinking, you know, what am I doing? Where do I want to go with this? And I think the biggest question I started to ask myself was, how do I get expertise? Um, And so how do I get better at this? And really the only way to do that is to continue to learn from people that were older than me, wiser than me, had more experience and read as much as I possibly could. So the perfect avenue from there is to take the Certified Financial Planning Curriculum. Um, And so go to the CFP Board, take the five classes that the CFP uh, has you take. Uh, So if anyone out there, if you are sick of your job and and you wish that you could become a CFP professional today, you can go to the Certified Financial Planning Board's website and you can uh, register, take the five classes, you take five big tests, and then you have a research project over all of it, and then you have a giant test. Um, and so that's really what I did as I decided, well, this is the next step to become competent in what I'm doing. I, I want to become a CFP professional. And so from there, uh, I, I left the insurance firm. It really was a scenario where I started to think through the fiduciary question and just think through, well, if I'm managing someone's money and if if I'm asking them to trust me with their life savings, uh, I want to be in an environment where I have to do what's in their best interest. Um, and so, over the course of uh, being at an insurance firm and then being at a a large nationwide investment firm as well, a brokerage firm, uh, those are the things that really stuck out first um, and so you know when i when you think about seeking out financial advice today if if you 're heading into retirement or you 're in the market looking for a financial advisor, the biggest thing that stood out to me was I want to be a fiduciary, I want to be fee only. Um, and that's really the, the driving force behind starting Brownlee Wealth Management. Uh, I loved the positions I was in, uh, but wanted to be in an environment where I had a legal obligation to do what was, what was in the client's best interest. Uh, and I, I, you know, I look back, I, I think and firmly believe that I was doing things that were in the client's best interest. But if I'm looking as a unbiased third party, I would have never had my parents or my wife's parents become a client at the firms that I was at because they weren't fee-only fiduciaries. And you know we'll talk about this more in depth, but about 95% of large investment firms today are not fee-only. And so the advisors that you meet with at, at almost any nationwide brand They can go and uh, sell you a specific product that their company pays them substantially more to sell you than another product, Uh, and they are not legally required to always act in your best interest. And so that was really the first driving force behind Brownlee Wealth Management. But then the second factor, and this is really more to your question of of how did we land on a specific niche with with oil and gas professionals? And it's really more specific than that. It is primarily individuals or families that are coming from the five or 10 largest oil and gas companies. Uh, So think Exxon Mobil, Chevron, uh, et cetera. But how did we land on that? Well, the first thing was fee-only fiduciary. We wanted to check that box. But then in my previous job with the with the brokerage firm, it was at an office in North Houston. And so by by the by nature of that location, about 80% of my clients were retirees from large oil and gas companies. And so really saw a lot of ExxonMobil retirees, Chevron, uh, Noble Energy, and a prior to the uh, merger acquisition uh, with Oxy. And so a lot of shell, um, and a lot of BP. So I continued to see, and I had about 300 clients in this role, and, and, and those clients had about 300 million in total assets. And so I, w- I was meeting with all of these people, doing their financial plans, helping them make sound financial decisions. And the thing that I noticed is everyone in that group, so if you retired from a large oil and gas company, almost everyone had the same financial issues that they needed to cover. And I think I mentioned that about 80% of my clients were in that group. The 20% of, of my clients that were not retirees from huge oil and gas companies, their issues were completely different, uh, which is a little bit surprising. As we know today, if, if you seek out financial advice, almost everyone is a generalist. And so if you think about the medical community or healthcare, completely opposite than financial advice. Uh, if you have a foot problem, you will go to a specific foot doctor. If you have a kidney problem, you have someone that specializes just in kidneys and probably specializes in specific ways that your kidneys need help and so the healthcare community is extremely segmented with specializations in 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 really niches and so what I noticed when i was when I was working at the brokerage firm is for the 80% of my clients that were coming from large oil and gas companies, they had specific things that had a huge impact on their future tax bill, on their estate plan, and their portfolio. And if you owned your own business, if you were an entrepreneur, it was slightly different. You you didn't really have those issues. If you were working at a smaller company in a completely different industry that had totally different benefits, you also had very different issues in your financial plan. And so when I started Brownlee Wealth Management, the driver was let's be fee-only fiduciary. But then also in the back of my head, I was thinking... Well, I don't really see anyone getting specific and focusing just on serving oil and gas retirees. And there's so many different just little nuances and opportunities within tax investments, estate planning and insurance that that really need the attention of someone that specializes in that. And so that was really the the driving force to say that, hey, there there are financial issues. If you are retiring from a large oil and gas company, you have financial issues that are really specific and let's be experts in that.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's great. I think there's a renaissance of sorts happening in our industry where we've realized we can't be all things to all people. So find the people you like working with and you can do great work for and really double down on being the single best option for them. And I know I realize there's some business risk there is, saying yes to oil and gas and really only to oil and gas closed a lot of other doors, but it really allowed you to buckle down and become, for us to become the single best option for them as as they approach that stage. So I appreciate the context really helpful. And, and I know our listeners do too. Let's, let's dive into and talk a little bit about the intricacies. So as, as you think about that 80% of clients, what was some of the things and the planning opportunities and strategies and considerations and potential pitfalls that you are helping these people work through?
0: What comes to mind first is a story. Uh, and so back at my old brokerage firm, I vividly remember one week. And during that one week, what I remember is there were several retirees from from ExxonMobil coming into the office and some were meeting with me and then some were meeting with other advisors in the office. And ExxonMobil, if you are listening to this, if you, if you work at ExxonMobil, you are likely well aware that you have a very unique 401k plan uh, with your stock plan embedded inside the 401k. And so you have an opportunity for net unrealized appreciation uh, for NUA. And, as long as income tax rates are separate, distinct from capital gains tax rates, and even with the biden administration 's plan that was released last week talking about increasing the capital gains tax, it still leaves enormous difference in the tax rates uh, for incomes that are that are more regular under one million and so net unrealized depreciation is still this huge opportunity. Uh, and so this week, and this is probably four or five years ago, uh, but I remember being in the office and, and I, I met with a couple Exxon ExxonMobil retirees and, and we talked through NUA. We talked through how if we can pinpoint these specific shares in your 401k, if we can elect net unrealized appreciation, we move them to a brokerage account and then we take everything else, roll it over to an IRA. And as you likely know, NUA has very, very specific rules that if you break this, the whole thing blows up. So you cannot elect NUA on just those shares. You have to do a complete rollover. You have to empty the entire 401k account, or you have violated the IRS rules on NUA. And so during that week, uh, you know, I met with a few clients, talked about NUA, and mapped out some plans to really make a big impact on their future tax bill. And I remember the conversations around the office, most people were simply rolling over the entire account, not even thinking about NUA. Even more interesting is no one really knew what NUA was. And and these are people that are, you know, senior financial advisors and, and they've been in it. And to be to be clear, NUA is very unique, and so most financial firms really don't have a huge reason to know anything about it. Uh, but if you happen to have it in your four hundred one k plan, uh, yeah, you need to know someone who who really knows what they're doing there. But it shocked me that we had clients coming in and potentially paying um, several several tens of thousands of dollars a year in investment fees, and so. Really trusting uh, financial advice. And, and it wasn't just the the firm I was at. It was advisors at firms all across Houston. Uh, we, we'd hear stories and they would go get advice and, and just NUA was being completely botched. Uh, and the opportunity was really being lost. And so that was really the first one that, that stood out, just this opportunity with NUA within the 401k that, hey, this could be a really big opportunity tax-wise. But the IRS has gotten very strict, and and they have very strict rules about it, that if you break this, that's a problem.
1: Yeah, that's good. And for those of you who don't know what net unrealized appreciation is or NUA, it's essentially uh, employer stock that is held in an employer 401k plan subject to certain parameters by the IRS could could be eligible for capital gains tax treatment instead of income tax treatment. So there's a lot of nuance and complexities there. But for those of you who don't know, that that's that's the high level overview. Okay, great. So a lot of these employer plans had net unrealized depreciation. What were some of the other intricacies and considerations that you developed expertise in?
0: You know, I think let's let's focus next on just the single biggest opportunity uh, for oil and gas retirees, and that is uh, transitioning or finding your tax your equilibrium tax rate for the rest of your life. And so what do I mean by that? Uh, When you think about a CPA, when you think about doing your tax return, that focuses on a single year. So if you're, uh, let's fast forward uh, five or six months and uh, 2021 can wrap up and you're going to start to think about your 2021 tax return, when you do your tax return, that only focuses on one single year where we can really be helpful and where we can gain an advantage is not just thinking about your tax situation this year, but thinking about your tax bill over the next five, 10, 20 years and beyond, even into your estate plan. And so what's unique if you're retiring from almost any oil and gas company is you have more pre-tax assets. And when I say more, I mean a lot more. Uh, You have far more pre-tax assets, 401ks, IRAs, pensions, than the average American, than the average retiree. And uh, the reason for that is the typical 401k match as well as a pension match at a, uh, whether it's whether it was Anadarko or Shell or BP or Noble Energy, now Chevron, ExxonMobil, regardless of what company we look at, the total employer contributions into retirement plans is about five to 10 times higher than the national average. And so the median data on 401k matches. So if you look at just working at any company in America today, it's really common to find about a 3% employer match. Um, I want to say nearly half of of all employers in America either match 3% or less. Uh, now, if we take that employer match up to five or six percent, we're now we're now capturing the heavy majority. Uh, so, in other words, it's very uh, it's very rare and unique. If you're at an employer where you have an eight percent match, it's even more unique. If you have an eight percent four hundred one k match and then a six percent profit sharing component, but on top of that, you often will have a four hundred one k match, a profit sharing component, as well as a pension contribution. And so if you're at a large oil and gas company, not uncommon to have 15 to 20% of your income going to a 401k or pension every year. And so the result of that is you typically will get to retirement and you're just gonna have substantially more pre-tax assets than most folks.
1: Wow, that's that's a really great benefit, but it also comes with it, a set of potential problems. We're big believers in diversity diversifying, not just across your investments, but across tax registrations. And it sounds like if you don't do any proactive planning, by the time you separate from a company, the vast majority of your investable assets will be pre-tax and subject to a future tax liability. So definitely something you, you got to think through and consider. So we got the first two, kind of the, the 401k and the pre-tax and net unrealized depreciation. What What else makes planning in this space unique?
0: Yeah, and I might even add a quick note on that last point. What's interesting about pre-tax assets is if you're retiring from an oil and gas company, you're likely, you know, let's just do a quick scenario. Let's pretend that you're 60 years old and you're retiring this year. You're likely in a scenario where you're past five or 10 years. So from age 50 to 60, you were probably making more money than you have ever made in your life. Um, so your income was, was probably at a pretty high point. And then you get to age 60, you retire. So you go from a super high income to no income potentially. You're not taking Social Security yet. Uh, you likely took a lump sum on your pension instead of an annuity. And so you might have this uh, situation where starting at age 60 up until age 70 or 72, you could go from a really high income when you're working down to a very low income. Uh, in your first five or 10 years of retirement. Then the problem is at age 72, those pre-tax assets, the government forces you, IRS forces you to take a required minimum distribution. And so if those pre-tax assets continue to grow, continue to compound, all of a sudden, that's a really big number. And then at age 72, you're back into a really high income uh, for the rest of your life. And so it's just unique to have this almost valley where you have a super high income, really low income, and then at age 72, you're going to have a really high income again. Uh, And it just takes a lot of uh, careful tax planning to navigate that. Uh, But back to your question, what's the next uh, differentiator thing that's unique about oil and gas uh, benefits? And I think it really has to do uh, with just owning individual stock. And so I think we can both speak to this, but we've seen a lot of clients have significant exposure uh, typically to their employer's stock. Uh, so you typically will have a pretty significant position. Let's say you work at Chevron, you're, you're likely going to own a lot of Chevron stock. And that has unique um, benefits and it has unique downfalls that it's important to be aware of. One thing that's super fascinating with with oil and gas stocks is the volatility is just off the charts and so this could mean that if you own those stocks, maybe you maybe you get stock awards and you have restricted stock units or, or phantom stock awards or however you your your benefits lay out, you could be getting significant stock positions in a non retirement account, so in a taxable brokerage account. Now that's unique because those stock positions can be used really, really aggressively for charitable contributions, maximizing your tax deductions, but those stock positions can also lose a tremendous amount of value. And unfortunately, there's there's a lot of individuals and families around Houston that, uh, that, that owned a lot in, in one stock um, and, and that stock has struggled greatly or even hit bankruptcy and, and the stock has gone to zero. And so when you have an event like that, obviously you never want to see your account go down and and it's a lot more fun to make money than lose money. But even when you do have significant losses, that's a huge tax opportunity uh, to take advantage, to harvest that loss and to take that loss counted against income on an annual basis, as well as counted against future gains. Um, And so that's something that's unique in in this industry that you have those stock positions and whether the stock is doing really well or really poorly, uh, there's a lot of things you can do on your future tax returns with uh, stock stock gains and stock losses.
1: Yeah, and the thing I'll add to that is we'll have some people with the same company stock, some of which they acquired 30 years ago that's held at a huge gain, and others of which they acquired right before right before a bust in oil prices. And so the same person will have lots that have a, a gain, a taxable capital gain in the tens of thousands of dollars, and they'll also have shares that are have tens of thousands in unrealized losses. And, and the way you treat those are not equal. And the strategy is very different. And it's funny, a lot of people come to us and they don't have a plan. So if you don't have a plan for proactively divesting in a tax conscious way, this will accumulate over time. And a significant portion of your net worth could become tied to a single stock. And you know anyone who's worked for oil and gas long enough knows that you're flying by the seat of your pants a little bit. The, the price can move a lot over over years. And so diversifying those funds in a thoughtful way is, is really important. So covered a few of the main bases. Do you feel like there's any other specialties or considerations that Brownlee Wealth Management's focused on or that are intricate and specific to oil and gas?
0: You know, there are a couple different uh, smaller intricacies. Uh, certainly there's some firms where if you're at a certain level, uh, you may have deferred compensation and you may have some other different stock awards that carry a whole host of opportunities and uh, in some cases some obstacles uh, to work around. But that's something we're certainly excited to to really dive into in future episodes. Um, in some episodes, I think we'll get really specific and talk about specific ways to address uh, maybe it's the uh, Chevron stock plan inside the 401k, or maybe ConocoPhillips has a leverage stock fund with uh, some pretty terrific NUA opportunities. But I think the other thing to uh, kind of piggyback, it, it's similar, it's very related to some things we've already talked about. But let's say that you're not in retirement yet and you're still, you're still working, you're still accumulating. Uh what's interesting is if you're at one of the one of the larger oil and gas companies you likely have a terrific 401k plan and what do I mean when I say that well, 401ks uh, typically allow you to put about nineteen thousand five hundred in per year. If you're over age fifty, you know you can add a sixty five hundred catch up provision, so you can do a little bit more. What most people don't know is you can actually put fifty seven thousand or sixty three thousand five hundred into a 401k plan, and so. If you're in that accumulation phase and you're still accumulating assets, you're not going to retire in the next 2 or 3 years. That can be a tremendous opportunity for you. You know, you can not only put in 19,500 and get a tax benefit, not only receive your company match, But you can also utilize after-tax 401k contributions, which could potentially be tens of thousands of dollars every year going into a Roth account and growing tax-free. And so I think that's something we'll probably focus on in a future episode. Uh, If you're, let's say you're 45 and you're wanting to uh, think through where the best place to save is, uh, that can often be the answer is, is utilizing those mega backdoor Roth contributions in your 401k.
1: Yeah, it sounds like the Wild West. There's there's lots of opportunities and considerations. I know we really just covered it in broad stroke today. Uh, we could honestly dedicate several episodes and maybe even a season to each of these ideas and exploring the intricacies in greater detail, but just wanted to paint the picture of what planning looks like uh for oil and gas professionals and, and kind of lay a groundwork of what we're gonna be coming be covering in future episodes. I'm 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 really excited. To go on this journey with you and, and to educate, uh, oil and gas professionals. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Absolutely. Jared excited to continue to make more of these and, uh, have some fun on
1: here. Awesome. That sounds good. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening
0: to this episode of the podcast. You can subscribe or connect with us at brownleewealthmanagement.com or send ideas for future episodes to podcast at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Thanks. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed during this show or episode should be viewed as investment, legal, and tax advice. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please consult the appropriate qualified professional.